Today is December 28th, the Monday after Christmas, and this year I watched the Chosen Christmas special, alongside of a number of other things, and if I could just say one thing, it's that I'm starting to become somewhat ambivalent towards the earthiness of Jesus trend. Pop theology comes in trends, just like everything else, and I don't at all think that that's necessarily a bad thing. It actually tells us much about the state of humanity at that period of time. Specifically, it answers two questions. Firstly, what kind of God seems absent in their world? And secondly, what kind of God already makes the most sense to them? AKA, what sort of God looks most like that culture? So you take, let's say, prosperity preaching. You plop it down in America. Who does it attract? The poor and the elderly. Why? Because it's really hard to believe that you have a God who is responsive to your physical needs when you're constantly terrified to make it through the next day. And to be told that you have a God who, quote, loves you in that way, is glorious. But as it stands, the prosperity gospel is indeed a heresy, and although it does creep into churches, most biblically-driven Christians are not particularly responsive to it in the long run. Why? Because for them, in most seasons of life, it only partially answers the second question. Then, you get the resurgence of Reformed theology in the U.S., which converged with two generations. The young, restless, and Reformed movement told Gen Xers, the work-hard-play-hard generation, who were constantly seeking to do more and go bigger while maintaining feeble boundaries, that they had a sovereign God who was all-powerful and always in control. And ding, who's the highest achiever? God. Who has the control that you want? God. The God they feel is absent, plus the God that looks like them. The millennial generation followed suit to a certain degree, as they wanted to do something big, but also different. Countercultural, perhaps. So you get the pseudo-Victorian meets hipster aesthetic with the radical, world-changing Christians who start podcasts and Puritan literature book clubs for the glory of God while also home-roasting some coffee that they sell under names that somehow refer to Calvin's Institutes. You have a God who speaks against the culture, and who has given you purpose, whether you eat or drink, while granting you access to participate in the biggest or smallest movements to change the world. And although you still see the Make Your Life Count, the World Changers lingo, I'm virtually attending the Cross Conference tomorrow, in fact, I'm also watching as this peters out and people finally catch up to Gen Z, the self-aware, technologically savvy, lonely generation. So on the scene comes earthy Jesus, a God who knows what it means to suffer, to be ostracized, to hurt, and to be put into seemingly overwhelming situations. Yet. He's also a friend to those who are dehumanized for whatever reason. He hugs, he laughs, he cries, he knows personally. And hear me out, this is not to say that I think this is inherently wrong. In fact, this is cross-cultural, one might even say cross-generational ministry, sometimes at its finest. The book of Hebrews hammers on Christ's earthiness for quite a few of its chapters. And to have a God who is not ashamed of me when I'm weak or different or a failure is glorious. This alone answers both of the aforementioned questions. We now have a God who is near. But sometimes I've stopped right there. 
it can feel like it's always winter and not quite Christmas. And I think it's because we can easily leave out the why behind the earthiness. We get the nearness, the imminence of God, but we can miss the transcendence, the holiness. Perhaps the key for us now is to recognize that those two things are inseparable. Friends, the earthiness of Jesus is the key to knowing safely, stably, for sure, that he is the victorious and transcendent one. He's not just sitting with you in the mess or comforting you when things go overboard. He did that and now has taken you by the hand to bring you with him to glory. Barring many other implications, the flesh, the incarnation that we just celebrated, is so important because now in its resurrected and glorified form, it still bears the scars of crucifixion. That matters because those eternal scars are exactly how you are advocated for in heaven. He doesn't have to say the words, it is finished, to tell us die over and over and over again. He needs merely exist, and his body tells the tale. So for every day you feel like your mere existence is a burden to yourself, to others, to your family, whomever it may be, his crucified body, alive forever, says the exact opposite in the throne room of God. You are more than not alone, more than comforted. You are safe forever because the kind of savior, the kind of Messiah you have is enfleshed.